Good morning. Ephesians chapter 5. The first 21 verses, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. That's up to verse 6. I think this is why Dr. Elliot had me read this, because I needed a lesson. But I want to project that on all of you. Pull out your Bibles and start reading with me. Page 978. It's Ephesians chapter 5. I don't know if it was the covetous part or the crude joking or the filthiness or the foolish talk that Dr. Elliot wanted me to read, but I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, and I want you to feel uncomfortable with me. So... (laughs) Once again, verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Verse 7, therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5 deals with proscriptions and prescriptions proscriptions and prescriptions in what we'll call Paul's cruciform epistles. Paul, the apostle, when he writes these epistles uh, very often, not all the time, you can't uh, uh, bet on this 100% of the time, but so often that it's a pattern for him, deals in what we might call a shape of a cross, the vertical line and the horizontal line. The vertical dimension 
of his letters talk about God's promises. He front loads that stuff. As we've seen in this letter, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, front loading the relationship that God has established with us in Christ, the promises in Ephesians that run, it is by grace that you have been saved. And the horizontal dimension of that what we call the paranetic section, which is a fancy Greek word that says encouragement, what you then ought to do, what the Christian's response is to the great promises and love that God has shown us in Jesus Christ, the Christian response that illustrates the demands, yes, the orders, the imperative mood of the verbs that say, now you are this identity, now be who you are. The demands, the encouragements, the new life, what the new identity that you have in Christ translates to in your everyday lived experience. We're dealing with the horizontal dimension when we're dealing with Ephesians chapter 5. Your life with your neighbor. The good works that you do. God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. And that means that there are proscriptions, things that you have to put to death. I like that word proscription because I'm a Roman historian and I deal with the first century BC, just like all of my ancient Greece and Rome students are going to be dealing with for the next eight weeks. And the proscriptions that came with new regimes in a republic that was dying in an empire that was rising. And when a new regime came, that meant that there wasn't room for some people that had other political ideas. So you put their name on a proscription list and you confiscate their property and you reward people who kill them. Proscriptions are always a list of death. Prescriptions are something else. Prescriptions are what you get at Walgreens, right? Prescriptions are the things that you get when your doctor says you need to take two of these every single day and don't finish the prescription until it's all run out and you're going to be healthy. And you tell your doctor, I don't feel healthy. And she says, you are if you follow my orders. Just do what I told you. Take the promises of the doctor Take them to the bank. I promise you're healthy, but here's the prescription. Continue to do these things. And so in Paul, we have a list of death and a list of life. The proscriptions, sexual immorality, put it to death. Impurity, put it to death. Greed, filthiness, foolish talk. And yes, Dr. Armstrong, even coarse joking. Hmm. Covetousness, idolatry, empty words, unwise, foolish, put to death the temptation to be what you once were but are no longer, what you used to be, sons of disobedience, put to death the darkness. It's Paul's words, which match the prescription, the list of life. Rather, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to each other in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Be wise, make the best use of the moment. The encouragement from the apostle to walk, that peripateo word. I love using Greek when I have somebody signing, right? (laughs) But 
we were just talking, I have a classmate, Dennis Conkle, a, a fellow friend, mutual friend, and uh, he was a, a classmate at seminary. I took Hebrew with him, and he was a deaf student. And boy, that interpreter, when she was doing Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, Havav, Zion, try to sign, it's, it's almost impossible. Did he do it? Okay, there you go, okay. Peripateo, to walk, to abide, to abide in Christ as the branch is to the vine. I am his and he is mine. I am divine, says Christ, and we are the branches. Abide in Christ. Thankful, submitting to one another. Be the light. You are the light, so be the light. The centerpiece, though, of that cruciform explanation of Paul is right in the middle of Ephesians 5, and it's these verses. Is it too small to read out loud together? Can we do this? Ephesians chapter 5, starting verse 8. Let's read it together again. At one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says... Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. These paranetic encouragement demand sections of Paul are not just a list of things to avoid because the apostle was a prude, some kind of Puritan. You know what a Puritan is? Somebody who stays up all night knowing that that sneaking suspicion that somewhere, someone somehow might be having fun, and they have to stop it, right? This is not what Paul is doing, the catalog of sin in Ephesians 5.4. This centerpiece demonstrates once again that all of it flows out of your identity. You are light in the Lord. Be who you are. Be the light in the Lord. And that centerpiece is awake, O sleeper, Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I love it that Paul is quoting something. But then the, 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 the question that comes up from there, in your Bible you see it's, it's indented, there's a quotation mark. Where did Paul find this idea of enlightenment? I've searched through the Old Testament, I've searched through the New, I can't exactly find that quotation. Hmm. Enlightenment? Maybe he was quoting the Buddha? Hmm, probably not. Enlightenment language, brothers and sisters in Christ, enlightenment language is always tied to where God located your identity, where he brought you out of death into life, where he brought you out of darkness into light. He locates that in other places throughout this letter in holy baptism. Listen to it in Ephesians chapter 1. In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it 
to the praise of his glory. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Ephesians chapter 2. When we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together. Just as Christ was dead and raised, so also you have been buried with Christ, only to rise again from your grave in baptism. That's why he concludes in Ephesians chapter 4, as we heard last week. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is over all and through all and in all. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. But is that, specifically, a word about baptism? There's more to it than just being in the water and coming out of the water. Dear friends in Christ, that wraps you up into the entire mission of what Christ has done for his people, which is why we hear that Light language come out in other texts of the New Testament. First John chapter 1. You are not of the darkness. Walk in the light as he is in the light, and you have fellowship with the entire body of Christ. The body of Christ himself who proclaimed himself to be the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. He goes one further in the Gospel of John by healing a man born blind. Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus says, you bozos, that's not what happens with blind people. This man was born blind in order that the glory of the Lord might be revealed in him. I was just talking to Dr. Elliot um, a couple of moments before chapel started about glory because that's the chavod Yahweh. And that chavod's well for us today. Because glory, easy, 50 cent definition of glory. What is glory? Oh, you're in my class. You heard this before. Right? Yes, what is it? The bright, shiny stuff of the Bible. Exactly. What is glory? Glory is the bright, shiny stuff of the Bible. And the bright, shiny light of truth was revealed in that blind man who said, I once was blind, but now I see. This is the light of the world. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 translates that to you, the body of Christ. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The light of the world, the mission of Christ, was to involve you in that. Not just Israel of the Old Testament as a chosen people, but all people to receive the light and be the light. I think in the end, this is what Paul is quoting in that glorious confession that Christ will shine on you. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 3. Last thing we'll read together, shall we? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light.
and kings to the brightness of your rising. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this cruciform proscription and prescription of Paul is not just a simple catalog of do this, don't do that. Can't you read the signs? The sign of baptism is on you. It's God's sign of love. It's God's sign of light. That cruciform light comes out in the light that you are. Your identity is in Christ. You are the light of the world. Be who you are in Jesus' name. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, thank you that you have shined your marvelous light upon us and given us that new identity as the light of the world. We thank you for the word that illuminates our hearts this morning, and we pray that you'd be with the mission of your church to bring that light to all. In particular, we pray for the ministry of World Lutheran Deaf Outreach, that they would shine that light into the hearts of those who so desperately want to know it. In your name we pray, amen.